in all the big box stores of commercial America, Walmart, Target, whatever, Christmas and Easter are one-day events. But not at church. For us, Christmas, Christmas is a season. You remember this whole song, the 12 days of Christmas. And Easter, ooh, Easter is a season of 50 days, ending when we celebrate Pentecost this year on June 9th. Now for the next seven Sundays, from today through Pentecost, we'll focus on scripture readings from the book of Acts, Luke's book that tells about the founding and the development of the early church. Now this is, this is not a plotting description of setting up committees and writing long, dense documents. No, this is a story of people who risked their lives, sometimes lost their lives. Acts tells of people in conflict with the people who had authority, had authority to beat them and to jail them, and did. This is not just a story of oppression, it's a story of people whose, whose lives had been transformed and who were not ready to move on, to hush up, to keep quiet about who and what had changed their view of everything. The title of uh, New Testament scholar Matt Skinner's uh, book on the book on Acts sums it up pretty well. Intrusive God, disruptive gospel. Now, in the first six words of uh, today's official passage, a signed passage, we read, when they had brought them, they, well, as I count it, that's three pronouns. We don't know what they refer to in the first six words. Them, they, who are they? Who's them? So we'll start a little earlier in the story. Peter and John had been preaching about the Easter miracle, the risen Christ, and this this new and radical message had gotten negative attention from the authorities. Not the Romans now. Pontius Pilate, he and a bunch of his troops had gone on back to Caesarea. They left Jerusalem. These authorities are called the council or sometimes referred to as the Sanhedrin. It's the religious establishment. They didn't have separation of church and state. It was together. So you might say they were the Supreme Court of chief priests and elders in Jerusalem. They were the court that had condemned Jesus, though not unanimously. Remember that Joseph of Arimathea had not agreed with their deadly plan. He's the one who'd gone to Pilate to ask for the body. He'd gone to the cross to take it down, and he's the one who provided that tomb for Jesus, well, for three days. The Pharisee and teacher Gamaliel was also on the council, and he plays a role later in this story. Besides the Pharisees, there were also Sadducees on the council. Now, like the Pharisees, they were against Jesus. They had different beliefs, but what they had in common with Pharisees, they didn't like Peter and John going around, healing people, preaching the resurrected Jesus, stirring things up. So listen now for God's word for us as we'll start at the 17th verse of the 5th chapter of Acts. Then the high priest took action, and he and all who were with him, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, 
being filled with jealousy, arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on with their teaching. When, uh, when the high priest and those with him arrived, they called together the council, the whole body of the elders of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the temple police went there, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened the opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were perplexed about them, wondering what might be going on. Then someone arrived and asked, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. So now, now we get to the official text for the day when these bold disciples are hauled into court and charged with insubordination for not doing as the authorities had told them to do and for slander for blaming these religious leaders for killing Jesus. So we continue reading at the 27th verse. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand, the leader and savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to us who obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Go ahead, admit it. When you hear that phrase, can't live by your rules, man, our title today, you probably don't picture grown-ups, do you? you probably picture a rebellious teenager with an angry, defiant look that does not convey respect for authority. <laughs> Perhaps you've had that look on your face at some time or other. Well, most of us do not like to be told what to do and how to do it. But sometimes we do have to give in and do it anyway. So we, we pay our taxes, we pay the ticket, and then drive slower, at least for a little while. When the judge says, I don't want to see you in my courtroom anymore, we take them seriously, right? 
But that's not what Peter and John did after they were arrested for preaching about the resurrected Jesus and for healing in his name. Despite arrest, despite warnings, they kept it up and were jailed. And then there was a little divine intervention. They got out of jail and they went right on and kept preaching and healing. So they got arrested again. Now a smart defendant, a clever one, would hang his head low and say something like, I'm sorry, Your Honor, I apologize to the court. Somehow or other I must have misunderstood, but you can count on me. From now on, I'm not doing that stuff no more. I promise this time. <laughs> I have heard defendants in court say something very close to that. Well, that's not what Peter and John did. No, they, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus up whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. He's been exalted. He's at the right hand of God, leader and savior, giving repentance to Israel and the rest of us and forgiveness of sins. And then they say we're witnesses. They're witnesses who would not be silent. These disciples had been brought in on these charges, insubordination. They defied the strict orders of the Jerusalem Supreme Court. They had this charge of slander for associating those high and mighty folks with the death of Jesus. And this passage, we kind of let the Romans off easy because we know it's the Romans that did executing, but it was because that high court turned him over with those charges. And then they, Peter and John, they stood there in court saying, no, we're not going to follow court order. So Peter told the Sanhedrin, can't live by your rules, man. And then what happened? Well, Luke tells us in the next few verses of chapter 5, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill him. But, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up and ordered men to be put outside for a short time. Clear the court, as they say on the TV shows, right? Then he said to them, fellow Israelites, Consider carefully what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and disappeared. And after him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up about the time of the census and got people to follow him. He also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. Because if this plan, this undertaking of this, if it's of human origin, it's going to fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case, you may even be found to be fighting against God. They were convinced by him. And when they called in the apostles, they had them, they had them flogged. I've read that some, there were many people who died with 37 lashes of, 
the flogging procedure they used. It was not a minor punishment. They did not get off easy. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Let them go. As they left the council, they rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as Messiah. You see, they just couldn't live by man's rules that were in conflict with God. What we have in the story of, of the disobedient disciples, it's really the first story of Christian civil disobedience. Now, in this country, we enjoy that right to worship God as God has led us to do. So we're free from the oppression of government. But there are other trends that discourage us from talking about our faith that present conflicts. Well, there are conflicts with time normally set aside for church. We've missed a number of family reunions because they plan them at 11 o'clock and 11.30. And I said, you know, we're kind of busy then. Uh, there are also hesitations to talk about our most important beliefs and practices. We don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to be seen too goody-goody or pushy-pushy or whatever or socially incorrect. But in the, in the way the disciples are saved from prison or worse, we also have an example here in the story of Gamaliel. You see, in opposition to almost everybody else in the council, all of them as far as we could tell, one man, one person spoke up. Gamaliel didn't say, oh, you know, Peter and John are right, and we ought to go with him. He didn't agree with it, but he did speak up. And he spoke in a way that surely saved them from a face a fate worse than the flogging they got. When such an opportunity arises for us, do we speak up? Finally notice that the disciples did not say, mm, man, that was close. We gotta, we gotta quit this preaching in public and maybe it's time to start a little secret house church or something, you know, go underground. No, Luke tells us, Every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as Messiah. Like Peter and John, you and I are witnesses to our risen Lord, our leader, our Savior, and our job as disciples of Christ is to share the gospel good news, not just in speech, but also in Christ-like deeds. Thanks be to God. Go out into the world, proclaiming Christ in every corner, admonishing and teaching with all wisdom so that everyone can comprehend fully the presence and witness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now receive the blessing of God whose mercy knows no end. Receive the blessing of Christ who is patient and eager to give us words of life. Receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit who moves us and gives us power to do God's will.